to another edition of DTech Tag's new social media campaign called Teacher Talk Tuesday. My name is Dr. Johnny Cruz Craig, and I am the National Project Director for the DTech Tag program. As I've mentioned before, we're so excited to get this kicked off because our priority is making sure that you, our educators, are equipped with the knowledge and confidence in yourself to change your schools, districts, and communities. We felt that one of the most dynamic ways we can do this is by allowing you to have a voice, to express your everyday educational experiences, research, and advocacy work. As you connect and share with one another, it creates an environment of vulnerability and transparency that can shift hearts and develop communities of support. So, this time we'll focus more on how we as educators can feel more equipped to guide our students to success. Here to talk about this is one of our very own TAG participants from North Carolina, Tia Gilliam Wilson. Tia, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. I'm so excited for this conversation. Um, my friend and fellow DTEC change agent, Danielle Miles, did a great job of touching on her advocacy work in special education. So I'm excited to share my experiences too. Absolutely, absolutely. For those of you who have not yet heard the conversation with Danielle Miles on our first episode, you are really in for a treat. Make sure you visit our SoundCloud channel, channel to hear it and leave us some feedback on our social channels at DTech Change Agent on Twitter, at DTech underscore change underscore agent with the underscores on Instagram, and DTech Change Agent on Facebook. So, Tia, before we dive into this conversation about your advocacy work in and out of the classroom, can you let our audience know about your intersection with DTEC TAG and how the support from us has amplified your work? So um, in 2015, I was blessed to be a part of T1 as a participant. And then um, in T2, I was an instructional coach. Recently, I was a DTEC change agent and from attending the institutes, I gained a great deal of knowledge. Um, I work with my fellow North Carolina tag team members, and some of the amazing things that we did were educating all stakeholders, students, parents, educators, and the community about ESSA. Um, we equipped parents and students with the tools to increase literacy skills. We had courageous conversations with educators on building equity by using policies and practices to empower all learners. Um, and for me, I just grew professionally and personally because of DTEC tag. Um, with building relationships with people, just learning information. Like there were so many opportunities that I had that I was blessed to be a part of because of DTEC tag. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing how DTEC has actually been an intersection in your life. Before we move on though, I want our audience to get a little understanding because you said you were a part of T1 and T2, and I'm not sure that they know what T1 and T2 is. So I just want to give a little insight and let you also, you know, share from that. So from the DTEC program, which is our professional development program, um, and it's called the Delta Teacher Efficacy Campaign. We actually had the Teacher Efficacy Academy. So when you hear Tia talk about T1 and T2, those were the actual cohorts 
of um, teachers and educators who were trained through the DTEC curriculum. So Tia was a part of T1 as an actual teacher, you know, going through the classes, doing all the assignments, going through the whole course and earning her credit for that. But in T2, she actually came back and served as, a, as an instructional coach, and she worked with a facilitator and other educators that were going through the curriculum for the first time. So I did want to share with the audience what that was, because I know that we have not talked about that before. So Tia, before we move on to the next um, discussion point, can you give a little more insight about the actual DTEC curriculum and how that T1 and T2 um, actually played a part in evolving you to where you are today? So with T1 and T2, um, it just, it, it was the, the best professional development that I've ever participated in in my whole entire career. Um, I learned so much from the, the um, resources and from the people, the presenters. And it was that then where I really understood the, importance of teacher efficacy and the power of believing in yourself and your job as an as an educator and how that helps your students become better learners it was all through tag or through through um t and then i learned about importance of building positive relationships with students and it all fell under the umbrella of the things that we were learning in, in, in T1 and in T2. Okay, that, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that um, piece because I think that's important for people to understand the big picture as to where we are as a program, but also your evolution as an educator and advocate. Um, I know I've seen Tia grow tremendously from the beginning to, to where we are now. And in that growing, she's found her, I think she's found her sweet spot. So, with your heart for literacy, what are some viable literacy strategies for children and how does teacher efficacy connect to the literacy development process? Okay, so my response for this might be a little lengthy, but so one of the most important things that we can do for a student is give them a book. So students need to be engaged with texts that interest them. And this needs to happen at school as well as at home. And this will help increase students' reading stamina. Um, and in, in order to increase their reading stamina, they have to read. So students need to read for at least 20 minutes a night. And as educators, we, utilize, we must utilize strategies to help build and strengthen literacy skills in print awareness, phonological awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, comprehension, and writing. So when using any teaching strategies, teachers have to um, help students to understand why strategy is useful, and they have to describe explicitly how the strategy should be used. So teacher demonstration, modeling, and follow-up independent practices are critical factors um, for success. So student discussion following strategy instruction is also helpful. Um, these things should take place during whole group reading with read alouds, but especially during small groups and guided reading because you're able to differentiate, differentiate your instruction for students based on their skills that they need. So um, one comprehension strategy that all children need is to be able to retail. And students can use retail ropes to help um, with retailing. And this can be done with fiction text and nonfiction text. And I think like a lot of times in, in schools, we use a lot of um, 
nonfiction or we use a lot of fictional books, but we also need to incorporate nonfiction text because that builds that vocabulary that students need to hear and learn. Um, and then students can also sequence, or students also can sequence the text. So sequencing is one of the most, one of the many skills that contribute to students' ability to comprehend when they read. And what sequencing is, is refers to the identification of the components of a story, you know, such as the beginning, the middle, and the end. But it is also the ability to retell the events within um, a given order in that it occurs. And this ability, the ability to sequence is important in not only just in literacy, but even when it comes to problem solving in science and social studies, like you have to be able to sequence the events. And teacher efficacy fits in with this because when a teacher believes in her ability to be in, in his or her ability to be able to guide their students through whatever they're working on, their students will be successful. And we know that there's a link between teacher efficacy and student achievement. And then also I wanted to mention with the teacher efficacy piece where teacher clarity comes in at and where teachers have to know what skills they are teaching and being able to break standards apart to help their students. Listen, so I told y'all Tia found her sweet spot, right? So you see how she so eloquently talked about literacy, the importance of it, the passion in her voice. And she gave us a lot of different strategies that anybody listening that's in the classroom or that has someone at home that you can help read. She just gave tons of strategies to use to do that. A couple of things that I heard in her statement, um, which Tia, thank you so much for you know, really sharing because I can tell that this is your sweet spot. This is your baby. Literacy is your thing. Um, but you, you said retelling, you said sequencing, and you gave all of these different strategies. So I really want on the back end that maybe if you can send some of those strategies that we can create something and include it on our DTEC tag um, platform so that people can pick up these literacy strategies because they, they, they're very important. We know literacy is at a critical point in this country and our communities need different things to help them help the children read at home as well as teachers being able to help them better in school because you you may made the mention that it has to happen at home and in school so right. i really appreciate that one thing that i picked up from what you said and just seeing your growth and how literacy is be is so important now i thought back on to my um my years in the classroom and i was a science teacher Mm -hmm. And I remember being in plenty of professional developments where they wanted literacy across the curriculum. You know, when Common Core came, that was a huge discussion. And a lot of people was like, I'm not a reading teacher. I'm not a reading teacher. Well, in hindsight, what I realized is that th the only way to move students on the uh, academic line of, of success in any subject is that every teacher needs to have some piece of literacy or reading under their belt. Agree or disagree with that? I agree with that. You do. And because even in math, students have to solve word problems. In order for them to be able to solve those word problems, they have to be able to read. And, you know, that math teacher has to um, have some reading background as well. And just as well as that science and that social studies piece, too. Like, reading is so important because it goes across every domain, every subject area, you have to be able to read and to be able to comprehend what you're reading and to be able to comprehend and know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. 
Yes, and that's so true. So I would really, any educator listening to us, please take heed to that. Look at how you can include some of these strategies in your subjects, be it social studies, science, math, or any other topic to help boost the literacy because literacy is behind in our communities. I can't say that enough and we got to beef it up and we got to do better. So thank you, Tia, so much for sharing that um, perspective in regards to literacy strategies and how they intersect. You know, literacy development intersects with teacher efficacy. Wonderful answer and I thank you so much. So now I have a two-part question. Okay. How have you worked to prioritize cultural relevancy in classrooms? That's the first one. Mm -hmm. Secondly, what happens in classrooms when cultural relevancy is not present? So one thing when it comes to cultural relevance, um, I'm so excited and so blessed and fortunate to work at a global school. And with that, it's all about making sure that all students are represented in some way. And um, at the beginning of the school year, our principal has us to send out a cultural resume with each one of our families. And on that cultural resume, um, there are different categories that they fill out. They talk about, um, you know, what their culture is, what are some things that are important to their cultures, you know, just to get to know them more. And, um, you know, that's one of the important things with, when it comes to cultural relevance. Like the first thing that we have to do is to learn our students. We have to have open communication that will uncover our students' learning styles, um, and we can distribute surveys and questionnaires, you know, to our families. And then we can also interview our students. One thing that I have taken the time to do this year, which I know this going to come in with building relationships. So it's like um, having just a two minute conversation with a student about something that's like not academic, where they have the opportunity to tell me something, you know, tell me something about themselves. Um, you know, when it comes to math, even though we're not talking about math, but another way to, to make that we make um, cultural, cultural relevance um, or to, to show cultural relevance in our classroom is even having word problems that are that integrate, you know, other from other cultures. And I know like in our, we have a region of study um, on each grade level. So like ours is South America. So for example, when I'm doing word problems, I find information about you know different countries in South America and I incorporate those in into my word problems for my students. I don't know if you realize how much how much content that you have really really shared but a lot of content in these questions so this is really <laughs> really good. Um, now what and I didn't answer your second question about yeah. what uh -huh. um, cultural relevancy is not present but when it's not present students don't feel valued. And, you know, in order for us to, to do our jobs as educators, we have to make sure our students are valued. When they are valued, they feel like they're part of the classroom um, and they are, they are more willing to, to learn and be vulnerable when it comes to you. You know, they learn through their failures as well as their successes. And we have to, you know, to show them that we really care about them and we value them. That's why we need to have incorporate, inc incorporate cultural relevance in our classrooms and in our schools. Yeah, and that leads us to our next question around relationships. So I'll, I'll ask the question, but you're exactly right. What can educators do to be more intentional? And that's the critical word, more intentional about developing prolific relationships with both students and their parents. 
Right, because if the, you know, it truly does take a village when it comes to education. And um, when it comes to building relationships, it starts at the beginning of the school year. It actually starts before school even starts. And one thing that I love about my principal that he has us to do is to contact our parents before school starts to introduce ourselves to them um, and to learn more about them. And while it can be time consuming, it is so important for you to reach out to your parents and say, hey, I'm Miss Wilson, I'll be your child's teacher this year, we'll be working together, you know, and, and getting to know them one-on-one -on -one, um, and having that, you know, a lot of times um, teachers make phone calls home when things are going wrong. Well, that's not how you should start out. You should always want to start out on the positive side. So like if you start out at the beginning of the year, making call, making phone calls to your parents, welcoming them, welcoming them to your classroom, getting to know them, like you have relationships matter. And even when it comes to like classroom management and discipline, if you have a relationship with the child and with their families, nine times out of 10, you're not going to have those um, classroom management problems. You're not going to have those behavior problems because those students know what you expect of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And then, you know, that's a critical piece to, you know, that question could have just said students, but we cannot leave out the parents. Because right. when you get a relationship with parents, you build a relationship for a lifetime, really. And it really does open up the communication line so that the parents know that you're coming from your heart, you care about their child, and more than likely, they're going to show up and do a lot more than if you didn't have any communication in a relationship with them. So that's very, very, very important. Again, that all goes back to efficacy because you believe in your children. So if you believe in the children, you got to believe in their families. Even some right. of them, they're going through some of the adverse things. You still work through with those families. So thank you so much for the, the heart that you have and the relationships that you've built over the years. Um, we see how, you know, your parents parents and students are still connected to you years down the road. So that's a yes. blessing. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. It's I have one last question. Of, okay. Um, real quick, like my very first set of students that I taught in pre-K are graduating from high school this year. And oh, wow. Reached out to me. Her, her mom reached out to me and was like, Jayla was in, was going to be on a homecoming court and she wanted me to be there. So of course I was going to be there. Like when it comes to building relationships, if a child asked me to come to a birthday party, if they ask me to come to a basketball, football game, like any of those things, I try my best to get to because, you know, that child reached out for some reason. They felt like you were an important part of their life and they wanted you to be there. So that's the least you can do is to show up. Yep, 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 yep. I totally agree. So the last question, how has DTech TAG impacted your life, your passion for teacher efficacy, and the educational experiences of those connected to you? Okay, so first of all, before DTech and TAG, um, like I was a quiet, reserved person. Um, I would participate in things, but like I really wasn't vocal. So this whole thing has given me a mouthpiece. Like I feel like I am more equipped to talk to people about change, to talk to people about essence, to talk to people about what's going on. I can get up in front of a crowd and talk to people about literacy like all day long. Um, it, it has just, it has made me a better educator. It has made me more aware. Um, 
it, I, I just like, I can't even put it into words what this opportunity has done for me and how blessed and fortunate I have, I am to be a part of this. Like I really found my passion for um, advocating for students and like, I just, I want to learn more and more and more so that I can um, be that advocate and be that change agent for all students. Awesome. Well, you're doing an amazing job and I, I can see the evolution and I know those connected to DTEC TAG and those connected to you outside of DTEC TAG can see how you have evolved. So I just wish you the best as you continue to evolve and become even more bold, more bold and confident in advocating and also sharing the knowledge that you have to help shift homes and communities and schools and classrooms and ultimately the bottom line students. So right. um, the next steps for anybody that would like to connect with us, please follow us on our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, also, you can um, text join tag to 51555. Again, that's join tag to 51555. Or you can fill out a form at bit.ly forward slash tag your it, everything capital except for the R. So if you want to look for that link or want to see how to connect with us, go to our website also at www.deltafoundation.net. So Tia, would you like to share how the um, uh, listeners can find you? Because I know you share a lot of information as well in, around many things. Right. So my um, Twitter account is at lovinglife411. And my... Um, Facebook account is is public is Tia Gillum Wilson, um, so and I I have Instagram but I really don't even know how to use Instagram to be completely honest. Okay, but so that's Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> Fine, Tia can be reached on Facebook at Tia Gillum Wilson. Yep, and on Twitter at Loving Life at Loving Life Four One One. So again, Tia, we thank you for your time, your heart, your passion, your transparency, your authenticity, all of those things, and sharing just your evolution with this, with these programs, as well as how it's affected you and what you're doing now, and it just really moving you right into your purpose. We're grateful for you. We thank you. And y'all make sure to go back and listen to the first episode with Danielle Miles, and look forward to the other ones that are coming. We appreciate you listening.